Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So we start the 20 off with Finn, Rose, and DJ on their way to Snoke's ship. They need to get in there and be able to slice their way in. DJ needs Rose's uh, medallion as kind of a down payment on their way in. She hands it over no problem. DJ slices their way in. Uh, they actually break into uh, like a laundry facility, steal their uh, first order garb. Uh, they break into the room where they need to. DJ actually uses the smelt to kind of break their way in. Meanwhile, uh, a BB-8 uh, First Order droid notices them uh, and then actually reports them. They're caught by the First Order. Uh, Phasma and Hux kind of bring them down. Uh, DJ feeds them additional information, the fact that the Resistance is escaping on escape pods as opposed to their main ship, and Hux gives the orders to start shooting them down. Rose and Finn are really pissed. DJ gets paid and said, shrugs his shoulders at them and says, oh, well. Uh, Finn has been getting routine updates from back at the Resistance HQ from Poe, who's kind of having like a, a bit of a, a, a I guess, a, a personality crisis with where he stands within mm-hmm. the organization. Uh, he's having lots of hostile confrontations with Holdo, who has been put in charge and proxy of Leia. Of course, they don't agree. She calls him Flyboy. He says... Uh, you're abusing your power, you don't know what you're doing, and he attempts a mutiny, which works all until Leia gets herself out of bed and still in her hospital gown, kind of shoots and stuns Finn away. Poe. Poe away, and then she and Holdo, they have a kind of emotional heart-to-heart where they discuss that uh, they can get away, but they're going to have to uh, abandon ship. Holdo, in a kind of suicide mission, says that she'll stay behind. May the force be with you. Yes, Leia explains this plan to Poe on the escape pods, uh, and Poe is like, huh, that's kind of interesting, even though Holdo should have given them the information. They start to notice the pods getting exploded around them, though. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Rey goes to Snoke's ship to meet Kylo. Uh, Kylo takes Rey to see Snoke. Uh, Snoke taunts them, uh, and he kind of strokes Kylo's ego a little bit by saying good job by bringing her. Uh, He continues to taunt Rey, gets information out of her, finds out where Luke is. Uh, and then Kylo, as he's told to kill Rey, kills Snoke all of a sudden. Uh, and then Rey and Kylo team up and fight off all of Snoke's Praetorian guards. Uh, at the last minute, when Rey is trying to get Kylo to tell them to stop firing on the resistance, he says, No, join me and we can rule the galaxy together. As father and son. <laughs> Not quite. As uh, Reylo. And uh, from there, you need to just kill the past, let it die. Uh, your parents were nobody. You don't matter, but you matter to me. We see some acting from Adam Driver here, which is, it's unlike any acting we see in a Star Wars character because so often Star Wars, Star Wars performers are beholden to the script, yep. which which forces them to be a little bit stiff. And it works in Star Wars. It's fine. But he's really not stiff. He's very casual here. Mm-hmm. And not in like the way that, that Rose is casual that takes you out of it. It's just in the way he says... Rose is... There's nothing casual about Rose ever. Every, well... Everything is her, like, standing on a box. No, I know. I mean, she's definitely overacting. And everybody outside the Ray and Kylo plotline in this 20 is overacting. Yeah. In fact, I think uh, DJ is the best part of those three in this oh, 20. Oh, he, his acting is great. The character Well, and is, his, some of his lines aren't half bad either. No, the character is just... It, it's got a lot of terrible... Uh, execution from the direction point of view, but not from an acting point of view. Oh, you, uh, you, the writing you, is you murderous bastard from Finn. Oh yeah, that's terrible. It's really bad. And and Rose's screams when they have been arrested within the the First Order base. It's like it's really bad. It's so over the top. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that like what what Kylo says when he is delivering this diminishment, this reductionist uh, portrayal of who Ray's parents are yeah. is is so cutting. It's oh. it's devastating. You know the truth. Say it. Say it. They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. <laughs> the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. not to me it's so mean i want to talk a little bit about about ray's parentage because this reveal is supposed to be 
quite compelling in this movie because we spent all of the the two years that followed the release of The Force Awakens wondering about where Rey comes from and who her parents are. And this is supposed to be like a big reveal that, oh, her parents are nobody. And now, of course, there's plenty of reason to think there's more to it than that. But um, what can we say for sure about her parents? What, are, well, is there anything we're confident in? Daisy Ridley uh, uh, said to EW this week, uh, the mystery of Rey's past will also be reopened after The Last Jedi seemed to draw a line um, in that Jakku sand. Uh, it's not that she doesn't believe it, but that she feels there's more to the story. Yeah. Uh, like Daisy Ridley said that about Rey. Uh, and she needs to figure out what comes before so she can figure out what to do next. Yes. So it's not... It, it seems to me that they're very, very, very much going to honor this scene. Ray knows who her parents are. They are, in fact, going to be the the poppers, the junk traders, the drunks that they were described as. Yes, they were. Kylo was in her mind. She was in. The, they they know each other. They're able to see each other's thoughts in this. That's the reason as to what Kylo has seen what Ray has experienced, and that's the reason why he says that it's got nothing to do with it. It's he's viewing what Ray has assumed and what is in her mind. Right now, Ray is potentially like who. At the age of six or whenever she's abandoned, she has no idea if the people who abandoned her are her real parents, if they're her blood parents. So I think it's almost a guarantee that she was found, abducted, left with, in some way, shape, or form, uh, junk traders that she assumed were her parents. Now, they potentially could be her parents, and she could be, like, the junk traders could just be the Shmi Skywalker example where she's born of a shitbag. That, or not unlike, not unlike how, how Luke was raised by not his parents also. And he knew well, they weren't his parents, and they weren't bad people. Like, they were adoptive. They were loving. But there there's more to your simple little uh, little desert background than that would appear. Yeah, well, I think Luke, I think that's a very different one because they were never his parents. Um, they were so clearly his, his aunt and his, and his uncle right, right. from the get-go, whereas Ray didn't really have anyone. I, th- I think the parallel does rhyme more with Anakin because Anakin was born of a nobody slave. Right. Whereas these are potentially just nobody junk traders, and maybe she is born of them uh, and that her lineage descends from Palpatine in some way, shape, or form through that. Uh, whether she's born of the Force through them or she, like in the case of Luke, was placed either in their care or she was found and ultimately, because she's an asset and was ultimately sold, potentially she was an asset that was slightly cultivated where it was like, oh, here's this baby. Maybe we can get something for the baby eventually over time or get another extra pair of hands and then they eventually just were like... Fuck this. Let's just sell the kid for drinking money. Now, when Ray and Ren enter the throne room, uh, Snoke momentarily kind of sings Kylo's praises like, oh, you've re-earned my trust. You've done a good job bringing her to me. And uh, then he has some really good dialogue. He says, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it. And then he explicitly refers to Ray as the light counterpoint to Kylo's dark. So he very clearly says you two mm-hmm. are one and the same. Yes. but And he then al- he explains that he was the one who joined their minds and that's how they're able to communicate. It's interesting though, because he also expected it was Luke to return. Yep. And that that would be something that kind of required Kylo to rise to the occasion for it. So there's potential that this is kind of the way the Emperor sees things coming in the future. Uh, Snoke doing in that similar sort of way, but what he saw was not exactly true. Same way with Snoke being killed with the, and strikes true to kill his enemy, like blah, blah, which is a little over the top. I it was. I don't like the way that that's, I like everything about it, but the line that Snoke delivers, it's a little too on the Well, nose. it's gratifying to watch, but it's a little hard to imagine why this incredibly strong, uh, evil, dark force user can't see that Kylo clearly has a B plan. He clearly has like an ulterior motive when he is like, he's reading Kylo's thoughts perfectly, except he's completely misinterpreting them. It's just like a little reaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think there's a very easy answer to that. Uh, yeah. And I think it's that he knows the truth. Well, no, I think the easiest answer is that if the emperor is controlling Snoke and like a proxy to yep. agree, like, like almost exactly like a puppet because this entire scene is so like thematic and yes. theatrical and over the top and like d- the giant red curtains behind. It's like, it's almost intentionally supposed to be um, theater. Yeah. yeah. It's like almost Palpatine recreating Vader's moment. Yeah. But the opportunity to kill the master mm-hmm. as a, like it's, it's like 
Palpatine has just reconstructed this whole situation, whereas he's providing, like, he, he's powering Snoke, but he's putting up just this one clean blinder yeah. so that Snoke can see everything except for this opportunity for Kylo to do what Vader never could right. and kill him. Right. And so it, it, very, it makes a ton of sense to have Palpy from the distance being the puppet master directly through that. Uh, and then I also, I looked up Praetorian Guards, uh, Praetorian guards are a thing in history. Okay. Praetorian guards, no variation of the name, exactly the same, uh, were um, elite soldier guards for Roman emperors. Okay, well, there you go. But specifically emperors. The word imperial, empire, oh, emperor wow. is listed everywhere. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, they're all used in the same capacity, but it's... It's so specific. But they also wear exactly the same color red as the red guards from Return of the Jedi. It's it's yeah. not that reaching to imagine they're a similar... No, but you play the Emperor's theme when we first introduced Snoke. Yep. You, pay, you play, like, th there's so much directly linking it that it's... It, it, this the first time, more, more than ever, this scene, I think, like, watching this scene, I think will play back even better. Yeah. After seeing the rise of Skywalker, because we're gonna get such an we're gonna we're gonna find out the connection between Snoke and Palpatine, and it's a very strong one in one shape or wh wh however it is. What about when Snoke refers to Kylo Ren as heir apparent to Lord Vader? My worthy apprentice, son of darkness, heir apparent to Lord Vader. Where there was conflict, I now sense resolve. Where there was weakness, strength. Complete your training and fulfill your destiny. I love that. Isn't that it, interesting? It's curious. It also fits in with exactly what I just said, too. Yeah. In that way, like, take your place, like, at Palpatine's side, like Vader never could. I'm just thinking of the phraseology of heir apparent, and he is obviously the heir apparent to the, the viewer of Star Wars, who yes. can see that this is the obvious next generation Vader, unless there's something we don't know, and that's what it seems to be hinting at. Yes, and that's an interesting thing, because that also goes to what is still my favorite hope theory, and that would be that Rey is, uh, like, Anakin's sister. Yes. And that she's kind of more of the proxy for Anakin directly in that regard. And that she's going to, like, Kylo's going to realize that his link with Darth Vader, he, he, there's someone who maybe has a stronger one out there. And so maybe. heir apparent to Lord Vader really works in that way. But it also implies that he knows something. Like, that if he is, in fact, Palpatine, he knows that Kylo Ren is the heir apparent, unless you know my secret. Yeah. That's a, that's another great point. That just adds to it as well. So that's. Do you agree with what I said about the throne room really saving this movie, which is kind of starting to flounder at this point in the runtime? Oh yes, absolutely. I thought that, and I, I said this when chopping up the the movie into the twenties. Yeah. And this twenty illustrated these last couple twenties have illustrated it really well. We've gone a lot of movies. I have not struggled nearly as much to recap the movies as I have yeah. for this movie. It's because it's just all over the place. It the is. The scenes are so long that when you chop them down, they go back and forth between them so much because they're trying to make these long scenes seem short when they're not. And so you're never actually able to complete a thread line. And so it's really hard to follow all the things that are going on. Yes, you have people in a lot of different locations, but... Some of the stories intertwine, some of them don't. It, 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 this 20 really illustrates that, I find, well, because not a whole lot happens, but it's got so much going on. But, like, it, it really can be summarized quite quickly. It, it should be. It should be. It should be summarizable quite quickly. I, I just, I never want to be a Last Jedi hater because I think so much of that is unnecessary. And I always want to find the good. And I yeah. do generally like this movie, but I have grown to, to, feel more critical with every viewing of it yep. and, and this viewing in particular now my problem is not in the development of luke skywalker which is no. probably the most common Same. criticism among people i i love luke in this movie yeah he's he's one of the best parts of this movie for me oh absolutely and um, i just i think you're just delusional if you put a blanket that this movie's great totally and, yes and, and that's the thing but i also think you're like delusional to say a blanket this movie's terrible right no it's a flawed movie there's no question yeah. most star wars movies are imperfect yep but uh in watching this i'm really noticing 
how the acting could be better by many people. Mm-hmm. Certainly not Adam Driver. Frankly, not Mark Hamill. He's great too. And Daisy's fine. She's, she's really a, good. She's had a couple wooden lines that she didn't necessarily make but, up for. But that was the next thing I was going to criticize is that the script is not great. Exactly. This like The script needed to be delivered to a, a script doctor to punch it up a little bit, to tighten it up. There are certain things. And it's like a I said, little a, George Lucas at a couple of points. Sure, but the, I, I said recently on the podcast that this movie seems really desperate to create a memeable story star wars catchphrase yeah uh and and that's never been how memeable star wars catchphrases no, develop they have ever. to be more organic and so i think of the scene in this 20 where poe and holdo are yelling at each other and she's like i learned from leia that if you only trust in the sun when you can uh, see it you'll never make it through the night i'm like that's just not poetry to me i'm not moved by that you forced it down my throat and we can do better yeah i hated that too yeah so much holdo is yeah. Laura Dern's a great actor, yeah. but she's not good in this movie. It's just she's given nothing. She's not developed enough. I, like, there's this weird scene between Leia and God Holdo. Speed Rebels. Right, where, where they, like, start to talk over each other, and she's like, you say it, I've said it enough. May the force be with you always. It's just like, I don't know who you are. Exactly. And I, I understand there's a book that develops how they have a rich relationship, but we no. shouldn't have to rely on that. No, this exactly. has come out of nowhere. Yeah, no, she's horrendously developed. I completely agree. Yeah. It... it, it it works in the sense of she needed to exist in the Force Awakens. Yes, you you can have enough of a build up there. She doesn't need to be that like she need to be a huge character, but she just showed up like not even at the start of the movie, half an hour into the movie. Right. So that's the crazy thing. She's not even in the first like ha- she doesn't show up until Leia gets blown the fuck away. Right. She's not even in the background anywhere. No. You'd notice her with her goddamn purple hair. I mean, I guess it's hard to get like an A-list actor to just be in the background for a movie and a half before you want to. But it's Star Wars. Even like, the first like 40 minutes of this movie. would be nice. Yeah. She's not even. Like, well, obviously, she's the designated survivor. She can't be on the on the bridge. But why does she have to abandon ship? Like, does she have to stay behind? To, I don't know. It's not to really pilot. that clear. Yeah. This is like a lot of it. Again, there's more overacting when she's like communicating with people via hologram and stuff. It's it's also why why didn't she tell anyone her plan? Yeah, that is idiot. That's idiotic. Right, right. Like that just does not make sense. But we say a lot about how uh, this movie's bloated because they're just trying to keep uh, Finn busy while more important stuff is happening involving Ray and Ren. And the more I watch it, I think that they're doing exactly the same thing with Poe. They're just keeping him busy. Oh yeah. And we're just desperate to get back to the stuff we want to see. Yeah. Poe does have a, has a better arc than Finn. Finn Finn doesn't have an arc. Nope. Um, But Poe also, like we've said a million times is a treasonous ass. He's bad in this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, I I do want to get back to, to Kylo Ren and and Ray just because it's more interesting. But, um, I I don't know that I've ever noticed before he says, I know what I have to do. Yep. When Just he, like before Han. Yeah. So is he going to say that that line in Rise of Skywalker? And is there nuance to that line? Like we've discussed in the past about how I know what I have to do could mean any number of things in allegiance to any side of the force. Mm-hmm. And it would seem that when he said it to Snoke in the throne room, he knew what he had to do was to kill Snoke. Mm-hmm. And he, and he had the strength to do it. And he had the strength to do it. He had the strength to kill Han too, but was killing Han a virtuous act in fact? Was it was it difficult and heroic or or was it evil? I guess we won't know until this next movie. We won't know, but I think it's 100% linked with I will finish what you started. Ah, okay. I will finish what you started and I know what I have to do. Kylo is a man on a mission. Yep. He is similar to Anakin in that way that he has his own moral compass and he follows its direction, not what's laid out for him. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he has these looming father figures and JJ keeps going back to the sins of the father being kind of the, the big theme of this sequel trilogy. Right. Uh, and ultimately the legacy of vader and luke is what he's trying to overcome but his father figures are snoke and han yeah and he kills snoke and han Mm -hmm. uh which is weird in that regard and he tries to kill luke as well but there's in my opinion there has to be something linked with i will finish what you started um i know what i have to do but 
Also, maybe Anakin-related issues, legacy issues, destroying Palpatine, destroying the Sith. I'm not... I think there's a... Maybe he doesn't want to have a father figure because Anakin never had a father figure. I don't think necessarily that. Anakin had father figures. Had, His father figure was Palpatine. Yeah, eventually it was it was Palpatine. It, 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 was, it should have been Qui-Gon. It absolutely should have been yeah. Qui-Gon, but that was like the big thing. It was very much Palpatine, and that's how he was able to uh, be so manipulated, whereas yeah. Ben doesn't want to necessarily be manipulated, even though he's been manipulated like crazy. Now, once he's killed Snoke, and it feels very good, and the body falls on the floor, and they engage in this incredible battle mm -hmm. uh, with the Praetorian guards, uh, and they all have this like weapon variety, and we get to see very them all cool. get slaughtered in a variety of ways. One of them gets basically powdered, and it's very exciting to watch. Uh, there are... like. Every cool way, every video game way of killing somebody exactly. they go through, and it's great. Uh, when you first saw this happen, can you recall if you thought for a moment Kylo had in fact joined forces with Rey? Like, because they're course. they're working together for a moment. Does of it, course. Does it look like he's good? Yeah, in, it's in episode eight of all episodes. Oh, that's exactly what I thought. It uh, seems that way. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I think that's what everyone is supposed to think. Of yeah. course. I mean, it's the big turn. He kills Snoke. He just killed the big baddie. Yep. And he's going and killing all of Snoke's guards. And he's working with Rey. They stand back to back in every way, shape, and form. He's then diverting expectations once again by not like and by still being what Anakin never was essentially and by right. having that opportunity to lead and to rule uh and not to be under somebody's thumb but also he doesn't swing back to the light um whereas he's been pulled to the light so frequently in these first two movies and you just assume that this is what's going to do it do you want to do some trivia yeah what do you have okay uh, a padawan question for you what is rose's medallion made out of Hazian smelt? Yes, it is. Hazian smelt, best conductor. So um, name name three of the ships that DJ shows in the, when scrolling through on the hollow table. You have, that, to, you have to make the Padawan question easier than that. That is. No, it's not, Ross. That's not. A, that's yes, not, that's not, it no, is. No, it's not a fundamental, easy to understand, easy to know Star Wars question. Colin. Level one. Guess. Krillian Freighter. Nope. X-Wing Fighter. Yep. Uh, Y-Wing Fighter. No. See, like those, those well, no, are Colin. three. No, no, no. First Order. And TIE Fighter. There you go. Okay. And then the other one is an ATST. Right. So ATST, TIE Fighter, and X-Wing. I meant to write down all of them. Those are the only three I remembered. So that's why I asked you to remember. I think there was a fourth one as well. All um, right. I don't even remember that happening in the twenty. No, I do like DJ's line, though, that he says to, to Finn, because Finn says, you're wrong, DJ's, maybe, <laughs> just in terms of whether or not, like, the, the good guys, bad guys win thing. Well, that's, that's what sucks, is that Finn says, at least you're stealing from the bad guys and helping the good guys, which is a terrible ridiculous line. line, and then he says, uh, good guys, bad guys, made up words. That's, yeah. that's a pretty good recovery from an atrocious line. Yeah, and his character doesn't actually have a name. It, really no he the character's name is dj because the hat um his, his hat says don't join on it don't join is his like moniker i didn't know that yeah don't join kid i did not know that yeah and so they just on his hat it had orabesh dj and so that's just what they've yeah he says it's all the machine partner uh yeah. live free don't join that's so interesting okay jedi net question how many praetorian guards do ray and ren take down in the throne room eight it is eight and you can count them. Yeah. Like it's it's very clear when you walk in, you can count all eight of them, four on either side. But then you get to see all eight of them die differently. How do they? Okay. Who who kills? Oh God. Um. Okay, so Ren decapitates one, or does Ray decapitate one? No, Ren decapitates one. Uh, Ren. Uh, turns on the lightsaber and just blasts a hole through one of their faces. Mm -hmm. He also just like slashes of two guys in the chest and they die that way. Mm -hmm. uh, Ray uh, drops the lightsaber from one hand into the next hand and then it goes through his stomach. Mm -hmm. Just one second. So you... uh, okay, you've got four of them so far. One of them gets, I mean, he's already kind of been slashed to death, but then he gets pushed into the little beam pit and he gets powdered. 
And then one guy just kind of gets kicked off the edge of the throne room. He just like falls into the 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 orchestra pit. No, he does. <laughs> he doesn't. No? I had to watch it three times. Ray stabs him in the chest. No, one guy falls off. He like falls out of frame off the far side for sure. Yeah, because he like. But he's he, already been killed. At he's, this he's already been killed. Yeah, he's stumbling back. Is that all eight or is that seven? Uh, there's there's a lot. I th- of- I, you, what's the breakdown? Who kills how many? Who kills how many? Oh, it's four and four. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's three and five. But other than that, you got it right. Oh, I really thought it was four and four. No, Ray kills three. Ray takes. Ray kills the first one. Okay. Uh, and then she has like a long fight with doing one on one. Kylo goes like six on one and then like four on one. I just love Kylo's physicality in this. Like yeah. especially when he loses his lightsaber and he just stands really wide. And just uses his muscles. It's just it just grabs theirs away from them. The weapon. Just so crazy about this actor. He's so good. <laughs> he is so, he is good. so crazy good. But I mean, it's it was cool to see. And this is one thing that I don't know why it's always bugged me. Just because I I love lightsabers and I've always had a bit of an interest in them. But the inconsistencies of the sizing of lightsaber hilts. Yes. And so Kylo's, for example, is goddamn huge in Ray's hands, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. However, sure. the Graflex was even chunky in Anakin's hands. It should be in her. It too. should be gigantic in her yeah, hands. It right. should be almost unholdable. It should be like a great big Zach Morris phone. Yeah, it should be almost unholdable. But yeah. they've streamlined it so many times to make it better. Like Anakin's Attack of the Clone Saber is just a, a way thinner version of this saber with a really like chunky like like, but also similar to Darth Vader's as well. But a you're very absolutely right. But the story requires that she has Anakin's lightsaber. Oh, yeah. And it has to look cool because she's going to wield it for three movies. Oh, yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. And I, But I always find it really interesting. And they also do... They've never had done a great job of being consistent with showing it in kind of imagery here and there. Right. But I would have expected them to be to do a better job in the sequel trilogy of making the graphics prominently accurate. There have mm. been a lot of instances where they've done... Um, like photo shoots, and she's used her stunt saber in the photo shoots. Really, which is an inverted version of the saber, which is obviously more comfortable to hold. So, picture where there'd be those giant fat T grips, yeah, uh, that are just like hard plastic. Uh, it's inverted on the stunt saber, so they dip in as opposed to chunking out. So it allows you to be to hold it a little bit streamlined. It doesn't have a cap on the bottom; it's just smooth black. And so, like it's 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 noticeable, like how much more streamlined at certain points. This might be a hot take, is. but lightsaber handles have never been better than they were in the Phantom Menace. I I I think that like style aside, Qui Gon Jinn had a remarkably efficient and effective lightsaber hilt. It's just made of rubber. It's just like it's like it's he got it at the gym. Uh, I don't know. It's like a yoga baton. To, to be honest, I I think canonically, I don't think it is rubber. Oh, okay. Um, I, it may have like a slight. Ru- I still like the idea of an all black lightsaber hilt. Oh yeah, it's pretty slick looking for sure. Yeah. Uh, although I, I think you give it to the all of the the prequels. You have to keep in mind like Dooku had a cool as hell lightsaber. He did. Uh, Mace Windu that wasn't in the Phantom Menace. Um, you have Yoda's, which I love. That's one of my favorite lightsaber designs. Uh, it's very very slick and similar to like the old school Graflex. Yeah, it is. But tiny. Right. Um, all of Obi-Wan's. But yeah, no, definitely the prequels have some cool lightsabers. I am expecting some cool as shit lightsabers. I hope so. In uh, like Old Republic. Oh, okay. They're going to say Rise of Skywalker. It'd be nice to see some new lightsabers. I don't don't know how they're going to incorporate that, but it'd be nice to see more than just these same two lightsabers. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was that lightsaber that was used by one of the leaders of the Knights of Ren in the past. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, Master question. What is Black BB-8's name? Oh, wow. Good one. Um, There's a little evil BB-8 who is kind of on to them as soon as they infiltrate. Is it BB-10? BB-9E. He's cool looking. He is cool looking. He has like a flatter head. But they made made such a goddamn big deal out of him on promotional material. Yeah. He was fucking everywhere. Yeah. That's going to happen with some Rise of Skywalker stuff, too. Some things that we thought were a big deal turn out to be almost nothing. Other than Dark Ray, I don't know what that could be. Oh, it could be like Dominic Monaghan's entire character. Dominic Monaghan's entire character has been 
almost non-existent in everything so i expect him to almost be i just mean in terms of promotional material that little black droid sure was like the main bell ad like bell canada used it as its main promotional like character i think it's just because bb-8 was like the crossover uh like he's the four quadrant character from the force awakens he's the one that can get your girlfriend to come to the movie with you and so they're like oh there's a new bb-8 yeah no that's fair i just it's bullshit when it's barely in the movie and is a, has a stupid role in the sense that it just it just it, it notices another droid in a box right and so it goes in tattletales that's right. kind of dumb um oh this is something else that i want hey, sorry that was my master question was the the breakdown oh it was uh, okay so how many and then the breakdown of those deaths and so i did as good as i possibly could you have. absolutely did great yeah um, do you have another one for me i oh yeah the only other question i have uh was night is uh, how many parsecs are Finn, Rose, and DJ away from their destination at the start of the 20? Is it like eight or four? four. Yeah, I, I remembered that and then I didn't commit it to memory. Yeah, it's, it's, this movie, it's interesting. It go it ebbs and flows on what can be trivia parts. Totally. It's either like condensed areas where they just stick as much canon shit in as they can. And then other parts where it's trying to be its own epic story, which it usually succeeds on the epic nature. There is a comedic gag in this 20 that I detest so much. And it's where you see some steam and you see a flat vessel descending down onto a surface. Oh yeah. The and iron. You're like, that kind of looks like an iron. And then it is an iron. I hate it so much. I don't hate it that much. I hate it. It just doesn't feel like star Wars. It feels like a Pixar gag. It is an extreme. It's an extremely space balls move. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it's making fun of star Wars. Star Wars works. It works being so corny because it takes itself seriously. That's true. It, it doesn't bother me that much. I get why it would bother people. It though. just tonally doesn't fit the movie. It doesn't matter. No, it's no. Unnecessary as hell. Yeah. Um, but then again, they've also had like sneakers in the asteroid field. And yeah. Like, but that's unfortunately what Ryan Johnson's trying to do here. And it doesn't work. Yeah. You think he's like doing a like a satire within his. Yeah. Ugh, I, that's see, that's that's a big strike against him. Yep, absolutely. It's him trying to. It makes him perfectly suited to make knives out. Yeah. Although, do you know what I really want now? What? And I, I, he, he probably should be far away from it, just because that would be too on the nose. But I really want a whodunit Star Wars. Yeah, that'd be cool. Really, that would be awesome. Sure, you have like Jedi detective, like the way Obi Wan was in Attack of the Clones. Well, I, but you do like a show that's a little bit like more drawn out, so you can get some character well, development. Well, we've talked about how it would be cool to have like a noir detective mm-hmm. show or movie set in the Star Wars universe. But what works um, mechanically about an Agatha Christie style Who Done It? is that it's very local and mm-hmm. so it's all set on a train that's stranded on a mountain or it's all set in a big mansion on a dark and stormy night and the whole point of star wars is travel yes but i think you can it, that's the thing if you do it with the show you can you can contain it similar to the way the mandalorian's doing it and so you don't need to do it necessarily like an entire show but you could have it where you have like a four episode or three episode arc which is yeah. pretty much the length of a movie uh, they did it during Clone Wars uh, where they had a bunch of, it wasn't a whodunit, but they had a bunch of uh, bounty hunters storm the Jedi Temple. Yes. Uh, or was it the Jedi? No, it wasn't the Jedi Temple. It was the, it was some political building now that, I, because Jimmy Smith's and, and Padme, for example, were like held hostage and whatnot. Uh, Jimmy Smith's Bail Organa. Yeah. I was with you. Uh, um, and interestingly enough, uh, Anakin like gives padme his lightsaber as like a like a token just like yeah just like kind of jokingly earlier that day oh okay and so it's just it was it's a cool it's a cool couple arc but anyway it just it if you were to do a whodunit whereas maybe there's a betrayer in the midst similar to what they do with the ahsoka arc but Mm. not that one is more spread out i don't know i think it could be really cool and it could uh, be i just have struggled to imagine how you do it and actually make it uh worthwhile of setting it in star wars yeah, I mean, you look at something that's like the Jedi Temple is goddamn huge. It is. You could do something in the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Yep, that's a good idea. And people would love the opportunity to explore the Jedi Temple. Yeah, and that's even Coruscant. So you could do, like, if you want to, I, I, you could do this noir type show 100% on Coruscant because you get all the levels. Yep. You get thousands of levels of 
an earth. <laughs> I have three potentially unanswerable questions about this 20. Uh, what do we suppose Ray asked Chewie to tell Finn per his suggestion? As soon as I launch, you jump back out of range. Stay there until you get my signal for where to rendezvous. <laughs> if you see Finn before I do, tell him. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Tell him that. <laughs> And we never really get to know what the message she wants to pass on to Finn is. Is it I love you? It's no, but it's probably in the novelization. Yeah? Yeah. I okay. I don't know what it is, but it's but not if it's you, not that. If you had, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be certainly it wouldn't be will you be my boyfriend, but like if you had to speculate, what would you say? Uh, I, I miss you. Uh like I hope you're safe. I hope you're safe is, yeah. is probably Thank you. I hope you're safe. Yeah. Too. Probably that. Okay, I have a feeling you will be able to patch together some kind of explanation here. But when DJ is suggesting that in order to carry on with this little adventure with Rose and Finn, he's going to need to discuss payment. Mm -hmm. And Rose says, when we're done with the job, the resistance will give you, resistance will give you whatever you want. And I just want to scrutinize that a little bit. Does the resistance have a big cash flow right now? They're a pretty small operation. I think they have cash. Okay. I, don't, I don't think that's so much of an issue. All right. Um, it's just interesting that they could promise anything in your wildest dreams. They can't. No. That's Rose being naive as shit. Probably. Yeah. Um, she's just a mechanic for the resistance. She doesn't know anything. Right. Um, the resistance, I would not think, would have an issue with that. There are enough people in the galaxy that um, they're likely bankrolled. Right. Okay somewhere way shape or form and i think and i think to a degree that's kind of what you see with dj's character that's kind of his point where he shows finn later on like there's no such thing as good guys and bad guys here you have warmongers on every side you have people who are just probably funding the resistance just because it creates war in the galaxy which allows them to continue to profit one more question has the falcon always had an escape pod uh the falcon yeah uh, well it's it's interesting because the their big escape pod, the front escape pod, they jettison into the maw in solo. In solo. Yes. Uh, and but no, there's no other escape pod. I don't believe shown at any other point. No. And then here it is in this movie. But it's like a, it's tiny. It is, but they lost that one too. It's interesting that they wouldn't have had an opportunity to use it in the last seven movies although i guess you could replace it yeah and maybe they got like they replaced it with a small one yeah and it just doesn't fill up the full capacity sure uh who knows and uh, like an aftermarket one because everything else is just aftermarket installed later on on that thing i don't think i really have anything more to say we kind of have gone through the quotes just as we talked about the 20 itself there's not a lot of good writing in this uh, 20 i will say 3po's quotes it would be quite against my programming to be party of a mutiny it is not correct protocol. <laughs> well, you want to talk about uh, what we should name this episode? Because there are a few options. Give me everything is a pretty cool thing for Snoke to say. Yeah. Uh, darkness rises and light to meet it is that's, long, but it's a nice sentence. That's the, the placeholder I have at the moment. What about it's time to let old things die? It's time to let old things die. Snoke. Skywalker. The Sith. Jedi, the rebels, let it all die. It's good, but it's kind of a theme of the overall movie. Yeah. He says similar things to it a, an awful lot. Uh, so I don't know if I maybe want to make it like the title because it doesn't necessarily just describe this 20. Sure. But it's but it's it's said so well. What about you have no place in this story? Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that one too. That, okay. would, that would be cool. Let's use it. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say about the 20? Because we got to get to news. Uh, no, I really don't think so. I think that covers everything off. All right. Um, I, I had Poe, Holdo, Rose, Finn, take it all back. Yeah, take, um, it was a, it was a lot unfortunate. of, a lot of take backs. It was a long 20. It was hard to get through. Yeah. But there was some, some winning moments for sure. Sure. Definitely. All right. So, I mean, there's lots of things we can discuss. I think we should stick a pin in Mandalorian for another little bit, although we're going to get to that season of the podcast very soon as we can break it down week by week. Yeah. I mean, just as kind of an overall, um, Let's just do kind of a quick thing on the Mandalorian. I mean, Baby Yoda has become the star of the internet. Absolutely. The yodeling is what I believe it should be referred to as. Yep. It is our Baby Yoda youngling until we know more about it. 
It is the cutest thing in oh, all of Star man, Wars. Oh, man, he's cute. It is adorable when yeah. he eats the little frog and when he's reaching out. When he he's, walks, he's just like, wild. it's a tiny, it's, it's stupid cute. It's stupid cute. I adore it. I've watched the Baby Yoda parts of the episode, I think, five times. <laughs> I've watched the episode a couple times as well. I, li- yeah. I liked episode two even more than episode it's one. It's really nice how they've, they've done a good job of like serializing this show in just a couple episodes. Like it felt, both episodes have felt big and small at the same time absolutely and this one uh i think the the quickest way you can describe it is it felt exactly like an episode of clone wars um and that is a great but but a 10 million dollar episode of the clone wars exactly (laughs) and and that's phenomenal that is just so exciting to to see come to life yeah Uh, and dave filoni even said that uh they did a a watch along for the first three episodes uh part of the main cast filoni and favreau and a few others uh, but he specifically says, like, it's one thing to to draw a character, but then it's one thing to have your drawing walk up to you on set. Totally must be weird. So that must be pretty damn cool because yeah. Dave Filoni is, he's responsible for like 95% of he's, what's canon in Man- for mani- Mandalore. manifested a lot of Star Wars, this fan. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, like specifically the things that are canon about Mandalore, they're almost all from him yeah and so uh actually i'll use that as a bit of a segue into something that is is kind of rumored out there um and it's rumored from thr so hollywood reporter which is one of the more reliable uh, more reliable of all but specifically for star wars they get it like that's a good point they do they're usually the first source to accurately get things and so this like makes me giddy okay and extremely excited that if this is remotely true my, and it's in thr my it's not confirmed okay. but it's like a rumored through th but thr's it says rumored but, and this is my dream for star wars creative but john favreau dave filoni and michelle rejuan may become the three-headed monster that runs lucasfilm oh okay that would be great so michelle rejuan is kathleen kennedy's handpicked yeah like padawan of commercialized so kennedy kind of takes a step back likely when her contract ends in 2021 and then you have favreau and filoni who can then build out a universe with kevin foggy's consultation Mm -hmm. uh, a guy who knows everything about building out long running universes and then you have the lore master and filoni and favreau who's brilliant on this but if you have favreau and filoni running creative for lucasfilm that is a dream Good come true. Good hands. I can, like, I mean, and that's got nothing to do with The Mandalorian. Oh. I would have said that prior to seeing anything from The Mandalorian, just purely because who they are and their skill sets. The fact that The Mandalorian, as much as I was excited for it, is even better than my expectations makes this just makes me even more excited. So yes. I'm over the moon. Uh, and then Michelle Rejwan, I don't, don't know really anything about her other than that Kathleen Kennedy loves her. And Kathleen Kennedy is... She's a Hall of Famer, so I'm sure she's picked the right person. Those are good hands. That's very interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely, because that would be the most exciting thing. Yeah. Um, before, I guess, Rise of Skywalker, let's hit the really one other thing in this Star Wars news that's a pretty prominent thing, and that would be McClunky. Uh, oh, you looked at me weird. What a hilarious word. Do you not know what McClunky is? No. I think you do. Okay. Uh, with Disney Plus uh, messing with... Uh, Han and Greedo again. Oh, I, I do know about that. I don't know why it's called McClunky. Okay, so what happened was George Lucas, uh, he went back and tinkered with his movies like he always does. Right. Uh, I don't think it was ever released, actually, but he re-edited or tinkered with all of his movies again before re-releasing them in 3D. Okay. So he re-released The Phantom Menace in 3D, but I don't think he released any other ones in theater in 3D. Okay. But when he re-edited them for that, he added a sound effect as Greedo's dying. Oh, God. And like, right as Han shoots him and like in between their weird like bullet exchange because Greedo shoots first in this one. Right. Uh, Greedo yells out, Makaki! Oh, <laughs> Just, man. Like, for no stupid, like for no So that's reason. on Disney Plus. If I were to watch that tonight, it would... Yes, if you watch Han not shooting first, you also hear McClunky. Man. So Lucas cannot, not that I want to go down this rabbit hole, but he cannot be convinced it's a bad idea to make uh, Greedo shoot first. No. I mean, well, they're not going to change it now. No, I know. I get I get that it's there to stay, but 
he has gone through and re-edited again. He could have gone, okay, maybe you were right. Let's. Oh, George Lucas admitting that he's wrong and the fans You're are right. right. You're right. Zero percent right. chance of that You're happening. Right. Okay, Rise of Skywalker. We had a, a TV spot come out this week. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it other than that it showed a lot of beautiful shots uh, of the same scenes that we've seen. Yes. Just different variations. We see a close-up clearly showing that uh, Ray, Kylo... Uh, they have a very personal exchange in a white room of sorts. We've seen a picture of Kylo wearing his helmet and not wearing his helmet in this white room. Mm. It's where Vader's helmet's on a pedestal of sorts. And so like Kylo maybe puts his helmet on uh, to fight Rey, and then the thing gets knocked over. So we definitely, like, something's weird about that scene. Sure. Like, they, they may get an argument in there over Vader's helmet of sorts, uh, where they got to pull out their lightsabers uh other than that uh there's some cool shots that are someone i think described it on reddit they're very much like a sky walking kind of shot okay there are a lot of shots of ray uh just leaping and walking in ambiguity and like almost like semi-space yeah where it's not within like the giant vacuum of space but um seeming like the abyss and the mm. ability to jump from like a hangar or like the ground to like the falcon but like jumping over vastness of nothing and just kind of skywalking yeah, essentially that's neat and so it, it, it's it's they're very cool shots there's also one of i don't know whether it's the falcon that's the ring or the ring looks on the ground there is one shot that i almost dropped my phone mm. um it's I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure I I did not see it the way I initially thought I saw it, but I initially thought I saw um, the world between worlds. Oh, um, you didn't go back and check? No, I, I did. Yeah, but, and I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure it, it's just it's just lights. Okay, and, and not the world between worlds. Worlds, and that I can see like the edge of ground, and which would it, mean time travel is the simplest way to. Yes and no, okay. but it. It would be it's if the world between worlds is going to come up, it's not going to be described that way. No, it will just be described as the portal that allows Palpatine to come back. It's a bit of a can of worms. It is it, a can of worms, yeah. but it would be one that would be explainable in the movie that people would completely understand the movie and not have any real questions about it. Right. But would allow other fans to like who knew all about it to like lose their minds. Right, but anyway. Of wasn't the I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that's not the case, um, but I just I feel I, I I feel like there's a pretty good chance there's going to be a really big payoff for Canon junkies in this movie. I think so too. I think there's going to be a couple huge payoffs. I think the Mortis part with the dagger. I think there's going to be a lot of payoff there, and so just the notion of potential for World Between Worlds, I think, just got me excited because. I think that we're going to get a Mortis Dagger uh, kind of equivalent in that regard. So it's exciting. Very exciting. Um, awesome new character posters. Yeah. Uh, awesome new Dolby poster. Love which is that. Just, Love the Dolby uh, poster. Poe leading uh, the rebellion into hell. Yeah. And uh, just going up against tons and tons and tons of uh, red trim um Star Destroyers. Star Destroyers, yeah. Uh, which I, I I think there's some symbolism with the red trim, it being on Kylo's helmet, it being on those ships. It, it's, select, it, it's selectively a lot of places, and that just works with our friend Palpy. I think so, too. Is that all we got? Uh, yeah, that's everything that's that's, uh, that's in the news, pretty much. I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, last week, I gave some birthday wishes a little prematurely, so I'll just say again, happy birthday to Mads Mikkelsen, Alden Ehrenreich, and Sheila Frazier, who's Aunt Baru from A New Hope. Oh, nice. uh, forgot to cast one. I need you to hear me out on this because we're kind of reaching, we're kind of stepping out of the parameters of like obvious movie star. All right. Uh, but two uh, American icons of television, shall we say, and entertainment in general, who have been depicted by great actors for biopics that are sure to be featured at this year's Academy Awards. So, if you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Judy Garland or Fred Rogers? And obviously one of them is an actor and the other one is not. <laughs> but I'm not so sure that makes Judy Garland the obvious choice. 
Uh, come on. I've, 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 I, you get annoyed by the ones that are a little out there, but I've given you plenty of rational ones. I was expecting, I thought you were going to give me Tom Hanks and we did Taron already. Edgerton. Yeah. I thought you were going to give me the actors who played these people or freaking give me Renee, Renee Zellweger and... Renee Zellweger and, and, and Taron Edgerton would, would both be good in Star Wars, but that's not the question. I know. They would be. They actually both would be quite good yeah. in, in a lot of different capacities, sure. but those aren't the people. Um, it's ridiculous it's either ridiculous way. It's ridiculous either way. Yes, it is. Um, so I'm going to have fun with it, yes. and I'm going to make uh, Fred Rogers a droid. Okay. I think you kind of have to. Yeah, it's, Absolutely. Uh, like a pacifist droid yeah you make him a protocol droid yeah make him the like nice 3po who's not like a total wimpy bitch um or maybe somebody who's like super passive and if you tell him never tell me the odds he says my apologies sir right <laughs> well just imagine if it's a beautiful day in if space. you were to literally replace 3po who only says things that didn't need to be said mm -hmm. if you were to replace him with a like a conscientious really sensitive almost like therapeutically kind mm. personality that would have done like wonders for luke in the original trilogy for yeah. him to be like they're there everybody has a bad day that's true although <laughs> luke needs like luke gets that with r2 right he, he has his buddy r2 3po is like he's the master of 3po he's able to boss 3po around He's able to like say three PO trick them with your with your magical powers or whatever he says. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think it would have uh, reduced the size of the vein in Leia and Han's foreheads. Right. By like tenfold. I think Luke is fine with three PO. I think he. I. And I know it's not in this twenty, but uh, when Luke winks at three PO. Uh, later in this movie that is phenomenal i love that yeah that's really good yeah see because 3po would know it wasn't him i kind of hoped you'd put mr rogers in star wars so i'm glad you did the only thing i could think of alternatively would be to put Jardy, uh, judy garland on canto bites singing grace guys are going to clear up put on a happy face yeah. i don't want to go back there exactly and I've already used that when you did Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> did I really? And uh, yeah, and I chose. What an asshole! Uh, I, I made Beyonce um, sing in a cantina because I did. Like, there's nothing you can really do with these people. So yeah, I like a very empathetic, compassionate uh, protocol droid. There you go. Uh, even if it breaks protocol, we got there. All right. Well, let us know uh, who you would cast in Star Wars. Any thoughts you might have on this twenty or any other. Any predictions you might have for Rise of Skywalker, which is like just more than a month away. Ooh. We're getting so, so excited. Uh, you can email us at recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at recorder66. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we're together again, may the force be with you. Mm -hmm.